0: What is going on, Bills Mafia? You are live here in the sit-down on the Built in Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, of course, in partnership with Underdog Fantasy, which I've got a promo code for you right here, and that promo code is B-I-B, which will get you a deposit match up to $100. Of course, I am the sauce god at Buffalo sauce god on Twitter. Joined here are my co-host, as always, Mafia Montage. How you doing?
1: Bills Mafia, what's going on? Uh, I got a little different background today, a different location, but we're here ready to go hope you guys are fired up don't forget comment sections open we love interacting with you guys and if you haven't yet go to our facebook page we got a giveaway a pair of jets tickets and also a link to our merch shop so anthony with that for those of you yeah i got you let's hit the introduction
0: right off that i like that Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back, Bill's Mafia. Of course, I am the Buffalo Sauce. Guy. joined here with Mafia Montage live on the Built in Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that like and share. Get those comments flowing. Uh, Built in Buffalo is in partnership with West Her, Ticket IQ, Picasso's Pizza, PLB Sports, and of course... The sit-down is presented by Underdog Fantasy with that promo code. I'll show you guys one more time. It's BIB, which will get you a deposit match up to $100 right now. So for those of you that don't have anything to look forward to for tomorrow's action on Sunday, this would be a great way to get involved in all the action for betting, picks, DFS, all that stuff with Underdog Fantasy. Use our promo code right now. So Montage, we got quite a bit to talk about. The Buffalo Bills have defeated the Patriots for their first divisional win this year, 24 to 10. Now, some people would say dominant. Some people would say it was just a win. Montage, let's start breaking it down right away. What did you overall think of the win, and was it a dominant performance?
1: Yeah, 100% domination. I think it wasn't really close ever. Um, I, you know, I know the, maybe the first possession, but uh, it wasn't really after the first possession we came out, um, you know, get a score. And I think from there on, it was just kind of easy sailing. So I was I w- I was kind of relaxed during the game, which if uh, anybody who knows me knows, I'm hyper as, as could be during the games. And uh, I think that this week was I was able to just kind of chill out and uh, and just watch it and just enjoy and try to try to just watch watch a game uh, unfold and and see kind of you know a lot of the positives uh, that we've been looking for all season. So. What about you? How did you think overall? Yeah, and I think
0: overall it was dominant. I mean, you know, the Patriots only put up 10 points, and realistically they, they in my opinion, only put up three because that Marcus Jones touchdown. An, an errant play, obviously, on the part of DeMar Hamlin. But let me tell you this. The way that we won, it just – I couldn't stop laughing during the game, right, because I'm watching Mac Jones scrambling and trying to be this freaking hero. And, you know, the difference between their quarterback and our quarterback is this. Their quarterback trips and falls sliding on a third down run Mine lunges into six defenders trying to get a first down. That's all I'm going to say about that, right? And, of course, right. later in the show, I'm going to get saucy. I'm going to talk about Mac Jones a little bit more. Uh, actually, this week is going to be a little bit different for the show. We have our regular segments now. We're going to talk about the bada bing, which is going to be the good and the great from the game. We're going to talk about the forget about it, which is the bad and the ugly from the game. Then we're going to give you the unsung hero, the weakest link of the week, and, of course, the underdog fantasy play of the game. Also we will uh to the maniac of the week and the getting saucy segment. Of course, that will be the regular thing here on uh, Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Built in Buffalo Network. So overall, with the win montage, I thought that offensively, we could have put up more points. And I feel like defensively though, for the absence of Vaughn Miller and Greg Roussel coming back on the field, Tremaine Edmonds coming back on the field, I thought overall, the performance of the game was, was solid. I mean, 24 to 10. It didn't feel like 24 to 10. It felt more like 44 to 3, in my opinion. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it definitely felt uh, like the score wasn't close. Like I said, I think it wasn't uh, ever a concern. I mean, some things we we want back, right? Another opportunity at it. But um, again, it's kind of the way it's been all year. We haven't, uh, after the first two games where we absolutely just demolished teams, uh, the Rams and, and Tennessee um kind of came back down to earth right and we've kind of been just you know steady as she goes and then and, and there's certainly things we can we can improve on but we're getting the job done uh more often than not and that's the only thing i can ask for uh when they're trying to make a super bowl run like this team is
0: And another thing that I really thought was something to really take notice of, and of course we'll get to the great of the game and the bad of the game, but overall I liked what I saw from James Cook. And I thought that when I talked about this on the pregame show with Mike Shamburski, I thought that it was going to be more of a James Cook game. And we might see a little bit more of Naheem Hines. And and again, I think that that's more attributed to the fact that, you know, James Cook is a rookie. Naeem Hines hasn't had the snaps on offense yet to really game plan against. So we use those guys in a situation where Belichick could <coughs> excuse me, couldn't take advantage of his his typical strength in how they game plan, right? So this Patriots team just didn't feel like I to me, it didn't even feel like they belonged on the football field with us. And that's not to say that they don't have some playmakers over there, but Matt Judon wasn't really a factor. 55, uh, Ucher, however the hell you say his last name, he was more of an impact, I thought, than Matt Judon. So I thought that the way that we game plan for this game showed exactly the way that we're starting to put it all together. Josh talked a little bit after the game about how Ken Dorsey and him are still working out the kinks a little bit. Um, and, and that's to be expected. He is a first-year play caller. He's never been an offensive coordinator in this league. He's been a quarterback, yes. He's been a quarterback coach, yes. But it is a first-year situation for the guy to be up in the booth calling plays, and especially in in a, in a season in which we're expected to win a Super Bowl, right? So that's a lot of pressure, but I'm liking the way that we're putting it together. And even though we didn't have Vaughn Miller on the field, I like the way that our guys like Greg Rousseau stepped up, A.J. Hapinesa, Boogie Basham, was nuts out there. Um, I overall thought that the feeling to me montage is that we're finally starting to step up and we're not having excuses. We didn't use injuries as an an excuse this week. We just went out there and got the job done. So let's take a look at some of the comments here real quick montage before we get into Josh Allen's overall performance.
1: Yeah, we got uh, my buddy Matt coming in. Score made the game look closer than it really was. Felt like easy money basically from start to finish. Yep, I think we kind of hiccuped there out of the gate. Uh, just one possession and then kind of got back after it, so.
0: Yeah, I think overall, what's up, Tyler?
1: (laughs) Patrick uh, agrees that it was a relaxing game. He's apparently uh, rooting for the Jets here, so thanks, Pat. Appreciate you coming on, brother.
0: I felt good going into the game, too. You know, that's another thing, and yes, my buddy Tyler Andrews, there's Mac Jones is doo doo, and I 100% yeah. agree with that statement. And you don't want to miss me getting saucy this week. I know Montage is already looking forward to it. Uh, but Mike let's move is on. up tonight because he's got this a right
1: here. In here too. So he's uh, and Mike. brings up well. the next
0: point. He played well, but let's talk about his overall performance and let's grade his performance. Now he did have one turnover. Do you put that turnover on him? And overall, how do you think that Josh Allen played in this game? And 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 what do you think this does for his MVP chances going forward?
1: Ultimately, if I have to put the turnover on him, yes. I mean, he fumbled the ball, so I mean, uh, I can't really put it on anybody else. He's got to sense the pressure there and and have the ball secured. So, um, yeah, I put it on him, but whatever. I mean, he's he did so many other things good that um, doesn't bother me um, that he you know made one one bad play. So um, you know that he's the heartbeat of this team and and this offense. Obviously, he um, is without a doubt the most valuable player in the league, in my opinion. I understand um, people have more yards, this, that, and the other thing, but literally this team, this offense cannot go without Josh Allen. And, and that's, to me, value, right? And it's the most valuable player that we're talking about. So I could see somebody else winning offensive player of the year, but Josh Allen overall is the most valuable player to his team. He just – he does – everything for the team. And I think if you don't um, watch a lot of games or you're you're just looking in the box score, you're not going to really notice all the things he does. He gets everyone lined up. He's calling the plays. And a lot of times I think he's getting options on plays based upon what he sees. And he's having to, you know, do some audibling at the line and trying to get us lined up into exactly the look he thinks gives us the best matchup against the defense. So I just think all those things going in um, just, uh, is impressive to me. Uh, you know, I think his, imp- his performance was, you know, let's say a B, if you're going to go letter grade, right? 85 somewhere around there because he did have the fumble. Um, but he was, you know, he's pretty clutch otherwise and, and had a lot of good plays. So uh, what about you? So what, what is your grade on him and and how do you feel about his overall performance? And do you want to pin the turnover on someone else? Do you want to create a scapegoat here?
0: No, the turnover is definitely on him. And, I mean, it's just it's just not one that made enough of an impact to me. And, and honestly, it sounds weird, but I'd rather see that fumble than another interception adding Same, to him. You know, it's a, yeah. and, that's, and that sounds weird, of course, but we are hoping that the guy wins MVP. And, and if you oh, add yeah. more interceptions to that list, it's only going to make it tougher. But, all right, so I put the turnover on him, but I put the management of this game and the reason we were able to win on two things, and that's the defense and the way that Josh Allen played. He was efficient. He didn't force anything. He took what the defense gave him. He was accurate. It didn't look like the elbow was any sort of factor. We didn't ask him to do too much either, and that's exactly what I've been saying. The Bills have got to find a little bit of consistency within the game to do because you don't want to ask him to be the hero consistently every single play. So, I thought maybe if you want to give him a grade, I'd give him a B plus and and I give him a B plus because there were some drop passes, but even with that fumble, we all know the touchdown, which we're going to maybe take a look at at some point in the show, but also what about the shovel pass to Naeem Hines? I want to point that out because four years ago, Josh is probably not going to make that play, but Mm. Josh Allen in, in year five right now makes that play because of his maturity and his development and his willingness to trust his teammates. So I liked overall what I saw from Josh. And to me, he's already been bouncing back, you know what I mean, since his little bit of a midseason slump. But I think that overall, he's starting to really understand the current situations on the football field that much more. So I like what I saw from Josh. I like that we didn't ask him to run the football too much, and it might not have been a 300 yard performance, but that's not what matters. The only statistics in football that matters is the final score, which we had 24 to 10. So overall, I liked what I saw from Josh Allen, and I think that this is a really good piece of momentum going forward for him to continue to build on, especially getting the first win in the division for them this year and now on a three-game win streak. And also three road wins in 12 days because one of those was technically a home game. We all know the two in Detroit, but what an incredible feature with very little rest. You know, three Thursday night football games this year, three former MVPs, four former Super Bowl winning coaches. I mean, that the could add to Josh Allen's seat overall. I understand people say they're meaningless stats, but the way that he is continuing to take care of his team and the way that we can always trust it, trust in Josh Allen is truly something that we have got to really realize in Bill's Mafia, just how blessed we really are to have JA-17 because there is only one Josh Allen, and that is 100% facts. So let's take a look at some of the comments real quick, Montage, before we move on to our body session, which is the good and the great from the game.
1: Yeah, Jill's uh, thinking it's on Questenberry, and that's cool. I mean, I I guess, like, from what I remember of the play, it was kind of a rollout to the right. Um, He kind of, uh, you know, held the ball a little bit, and, you know, the guys can only hold up for so long. So I think that, uh, you know, it wasn't like Questenberry just let him go through, and it was a straight hit to, you know, his chin, and then he fumbled it. No, he was moving. He was scrambling out to the right, and, you know, I think – You know, that's our offense, and sometimes that's frustrating because, you know, our offense relies upon him holding the ball in certain situations to let things develop down the field, and that's one of the things that I think, you know, pains me with Dorsey is just like when we're struggling or when, you know, you know Josh Allen's injured and he's not hurt anymore per se, but, you know, when you know there's some things going on, why is it that we're always calling these plays where he's holding the ball um and trying to let things develop instead of some quick hitters. We saw a nice quick slant to Shakir. I think it was like third quarter or something. You know, beautiful. He was in the slot, little little slant pass, and uh, you know, it was great. So uh, Scott's coming in. What's up, Gage? Yeah. yeah Scott Griswold. Look <laughs> like how this
0: game We're didn't give me either. a goddamn – exactly. I'm, I'm 100% with that whole feeling. You know, going into every Bills game, but especially games against the Patriots, it's really hard to stay at ease, but not once I feel like heading into the game like like, like we weren't going to win the football game. I just knew who the better football team was, and I, I have nothing but confidence in this Buffalo Bills team through every single game that they play, through the good, through the bad, through the ugly. But let's go ahead. Let's move on to our next segment, which is bada-bing, the good and the great from the game. Montage, I'm going to start us off here, brother. I want to talk about some of the things that I absolutely loved seeing from this football game. I liked how we use James Cook. We hashtag let James Cook all game long. And I mean, the kid kind of slowed down a little bit later, but that's because, you know, he was so unstoppable to start the game that the Patriots had no choice but to try and send everything at him to slow him down. I thought the way that Devin Singletary, I love this. When you see James cooking, right? Right. Devin Singletary comes back in the ballgame and has more of like a chip on his shoulder like, oh, you guys wanted to sit me out for a few plays? Well, let me show you exactly why I'm running back one. So I liked the way that we were able to run the football, which I've been liking a lot more in recent weeks because it's not just Josh Allen running the football. It's more consistent with Devin Singletary and James Cook. And even a few times that we're running the football, and I'm a little hesitant like, ah, no, we picked up first downs. We picked up crucial yardage. Now another thing that I absolutely loved, I loved that the way the defense got after Mac Jones, all game long I mean Mac couldn't ever look comfortable back there he at one point which I'm going to talk about later was cursing about let's throw the fucking ball or something like that it's like mm-hmm. dude you couldn't the defense was all over you Greg Rousseau was just I like the way that we were lining him up in the middle of the field sometimes and he'd sit back and he'd kind of like go around everybody and he just boom right at Mac Jones like then I like when Mac Jones turns one way Then he goes back the other, and there's A.J. Epinesa right there, and he just ran into a brick wall. So I thought that the defensive pressure was was huge, and I thought that that was a big reason of why the Patriots were never able to get it going. Ramondre Stevenson was really a non-factor. The Bills' defensive game plan was almost perfect, Montage. The only mistake, which we'll talk about at some point, was, of course, the Marcus Jones touchdown. But outside of that, offensively, we were consistent. We finished drives. We even finished with field goals. And, yes, we might have punted for the first time in two-and-a-half games against them, sure, but who the heck cares? The overall performance by the offense, and that's with Deion Dawkins out, too. So, I mean, like, we're we're sitting here upset with Questenberry and all, but, like, Deion Dawkins wasn't on that football field. And this could have been a much different feel just with him on the football field. I mean, he is our best offensive lineman, I think, outside of Mitch Morris. But – the way that we ran the football, the way that we defensively held our ground, we never, ever seemed to get uncomfortable. We never seemed to let the uh, – even though we were down 7-3, it never felt like we were actually down 7-3. to And if anybody out there was actually worried, you haven't been watching well enough because this Buffalo Bills team was in the driver's seat the entire time. But Montage, for about a bang this week, what do you think? What was the good and the great from this game?
1: Yeah, it was just, you know, the entire offense, right, uh, kind of clicking. We, th- we, we saw – you know, throwing up some points. We knew we had a corner piece out in our left tackle, but um, still for the most part, just getting the job done. We saw uh, running backs have success in the running game, uh, over 100 yards combined between the two of them, and then add on uh, Josh for that. So um, a really great job running the ball, um, except for Naheem Hines, who had two for three, but we'll get negative three. We'll get to that. And then uh, Trey White, Playing uh, 33 snaps, you know. I I love that Trey White um, is back. It makes me so happy. Uh, He's my favorite guy on the defense, and um, just love watching him play football. So I'm excited to really uh, watch more and more of this tape. I usually watch a few few times. So um, just got the first pass in today, and uh, you know, just just a joy to have him on the field. He made a couple tackles. He did get targeted a few times, and only gave up a couple receptions for nine yards. So um, you know, really good outing for him. I think, you know, definitely uh, getting stronger out there. I'm sure he's kind of getting more of his flow back and and uh, really, really strong performance.
0: And for those of you just now tuning in, you are live here on the sit-down on the Built in Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Of course, we are presented by Underdog Fantasy. I am the Buffalo Sauce Guy with Mafia Montage. Right now, we're discussing the good and the great from the game. Let's take a look at some of these comments real quick, Montage, before I get into some more of the action and then before we get to our forget-about-it stage. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about Cousin this one?
1: Cousin Eddie over there says Marcus Jones. Uh, holy shit! You know. Uh, yeah, we're Cousin uh, Eddie. <laughs> we're Eddie uh,
0: Griswold. Yeah.
1: We're surprised to see it. I think. I mean, I, that was just a huge play at the beginning of the game, and uh, really the only positive note for them. Um, you know, he did well, but uh, you know, it's kind of uh, the way it is. So, um, we got. Scott in here, need more production out of Gabe when it comes down to the playoffs, averaging two catches a game. Yeah, we're going to kind of get to that in a little bit. Um, Groot, hell of a, hell of a uh, game for him. And I think that really helps our rush defense, too, having Groot back. So it was a really nice thing to have him back and uh, have that offensive or that defensive line really um, have a little more effectiveness there. Um, Edmonds back again.
0: Shaq Lawson. That's another guy that has consistently made plays like game in and game out. Like whenever he's on the football field, you see Shaq Lawson just wreaking havoc. That was another guy that I thought really did a great thing. But also too, montage, I wanted to highlight this, that since you bring up Tradavius White, Xavier Rhodes was quite, you know, he was he was on the field quite a bit. We saw a little bit of his action. Mm -hmm. And I know some people were wondering why was Kyer Alam a healthy scratch? And it's because I had nothing to do with Kyrie Alam. It had everything to do with what we wanted to see, what Xavier Rhodes had to offer and what he still had in the tank. And I saw him out there, you know, flying around quite a bit. So I like to see that coming from Xavier Rhodes and, Really one of his first appearances for this Buffalo Bills team. And also, too, I like that I saw John Brown immediately on the football field last week. And, of course, I expect him to become a little bit more integrated in this offense. But there were some negatives this game. We can't be all, you know, flowers. Sunshine and and rainbows. Yeah, but let me tell you this. We got to go ahead and move on to our next segment. And that is, forget about it, the bad and the ugly from the game. Montage, why don't you start us off this week? What was bad and what was ugly?
1: Yeah, you know, that touchdown, obviously, where nobody could tackle uh, Marcus Jones there um, was pretty bad. But um, also, I didn't like how (laughs) the running backs can never get in sync with catching their targets. Um, And it's a small little critique that's really pointless. But in the end of it, you know, Singletary comes in and drops two balls. And, you know, Cook had been having that issue. Now, Cook. Catches six for six, and six targets, six catches. And uh, just, you know, still getting some drops out there and just really got to clean those up. Um, you know, got to make some contested catches, some tough catches. Uh, but overall, I mean, yeah, I I really can't um, complain about too much. I thought the offensive line um, was porous at times, but did enough to get us by. Um, but we had, you know, an injury there, but having Mitch Morse back, uh, just kind of improves the, the run game, uh, blocking as well. So I think, uh, it was kind of a trade-off and, uh, it'd be nice to see if we can get some games down the end of the stretch here with all five starters, um, staying healthy and, and getting really some time, uh, to make sure they're, they're really solid going into the postseason. So what did you think was the bad and the ugly from the game and what should we forget about?
0: Honestly, it's the tackling again, you know, Tamar Hamlin only that's the only thing the Patriots had go their way was Marcus Jones, a defensive back. By the way, Marcus Jones was the guy that scored the only touchdown against the Jets a couple weeks ago, which proved to be the gainer of that week. But That, to me, has been one of our biggest weaknesses for years, and that is our tackling, and that's one of the simplest – that's one of the fundamentals of the game of football, right? So I didn't care for that, but I also didn't care for the drop passes. I'm looking at you, Gabe Davis. I'm looking at you this week, Dawson Knox, and I'm looking at you, Devin Singletary. I don't care for drop passes, but also another thing that I cannot stand, and it's tough. I understand that Questenberry was just really tasked with the world, to, to have to step in for Deion Dawkins and go against this Patriots pass rush. But I didn't care for the offensive line penalties, whether it's a holding false start, those kinds of penalties are what slows us down and ultimately stops us from scoring touchdowns or scoring field goals. And, and I mean, it seems like we are capable of coming out every single week. And I know I say it consistently, but we're coming, we can come out and put up 42 any week, right? It doesn't matter who's defensively out there against us. But we can't do that if we shoot ourselves in the foot. We can't do that when we have drop passes. And here's another thing too. I I know Naheem Hines, you know, couldn't get it going in the run game, but run a little bit upfield. Sometimes I'm seeing guys dancing around a little too much. Put your head down, get upfield, take the yards and do what we're asking Josh to do. That's taking what the defense gives you. You don't need to make the all-world play every single time you touch the football. You just got to do your job, take care of the football, get back up and get in the and get in the huddle and get back to the next play and do what you got to do. Which of course, this team has been able to do more consistently than they haven't. Sure, but again, I just don't think that we're seeing our full maximum potential when we are shooting ourselves in the foot this way. So, for me, Gabe Davis, yes, he has the touchdown catch, but he has just been so incredibly inconsistent with catching the football this year. And I know we try to run the one where we had actually connected with Stefan Diggs for the touchdown in the corner of the end zone. And we try to basically run the same play with Gabe, but it's a little bit outside his realm. But like those were plays that I saw Gabe Davis make in his rookie season and last year. So I'm wondering what is going on with Gabe Davis. Is this something, is there an injury that we don't really know about? Is he bothered by something? Is it something? I'm not too sure, but I don't want to see these drop passes becoming a regularity because it's, again, it's a part of that whole narrative of us shooting ourselves in the foot and us stopping ourselves from being at our absolute best. So overall, though, there wasn't too much to hate on in this game. And the only reason we have to take a look at it is because we can always get better as a football team, right? But take away that Marcus Jones touchdown, and you really got yourself a 24-3 football game. And in that situation, it's tough to say that we did ultimately anything wrong. But we could be better, and we know that, and we've got to take a look at the film this week, and we've got to be better for next week. Because I'll tell you what, I don't think the Patriots are on par with the Miami Dolphins. I don't even know if the Patriots are on par with the New York Jets right now. And I hate to say that because it might make me sound crazy, but those two teams are playing much better football and have – some sort of offensive weapons. I, I mean, the Patriots really the good, the bad, I'm sorry, the bad, the bad, and the ugly should be the Patriots. That's what we should be talking about. But of course, it's not why we're here. We're here to look at the Buffalo Bills and see what they could do right. better. But overall, I think that the performance between Bada Bing, the good, the bad, uh, the good, and the great, and then the forget about it between the bad and the ugly, I think the Bills overall played a really great game. I'd give them a B B-plus performance overall, earning the win. <coughs> but Montage, Let's take a look at some of the comments before we move on to our next, which will be the unsung.
1: Yeah, uh, that was Marcus Jones first uh, offense appearance that he took the ball and scored. So, you know, obviously a great effort from the kid, but um, also just, just a poor, uh, poor job executing and tackling by the defense. And something I just looked up that was kind of funny is that Gabe Davis was credited with zero drops from PFF. Um, Take that as you will, but, um, they gave Singletary the two he had. Knox had one, and then one from Diggs. And those are passes on target um, that they dropped. So, uh, just kind of a funny thing to to see. Um, th- you know, this particular site um, doesn't doesn't credit anybody with a uh, or or doesn't credit D- Gabe with any drops. But he, you know, two receptions on seven targets. I'm pretty sure I'm not going five. Uh, bad passes by Josh Allen. So no, I'm going to go with, so with Gabe Davis. Should have had a couple of those. And um, yeah, sorry, guy. We got a little uh, little lagger, McLaggerson over there here and there, but uh, working through it. And uh, we'll be better next week, I promise.
0: So... Uh, The other thing, too, that was bad, and right now the bad is my my internet connection, which obviously was just pointed out. Um, But overall, it's the tackling. That is our biggest thing that we could do better defensively. If we want to take a look at just one thing, it's got to be the tackling. Because, again, the tackling right there, Marcus Jones just should have never broke that off for a touchdown. I don't care how fast he is. I don't care how elusive he is. There was no way on earth that DeMar Hamlin should have allowed that play to really develop the way that it did. Um, Nine different guys missed
1: tackles in this game. So nine different guys. Uh, Matt Milano actually missed three tackles, uh, two for Tron Johnson and Boogie, and then one You didn't hear Matt Milano's
0: name called very much this game. Yeah. It was a little different. Exactly. Yeah, but of course – so if you guys are just not tuning in, you are live here in the sit-down on the Built the Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Of course, this is the sit-down presented by Underdog Fantasy with a promo code of BIB, which will get you a deposit match up to $100 right now if you sign up, which will get you guys ready for the NFL action tomorrow without the Buffalo Bills playing. But I like this whole victory Friday and victory Saturday kind of thing. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if I can get used to it, but I definitely like it. But if you guys are haven't done so already, hit that like and share button. Keep those comments flowing. Montage and I are just about to get into our unsung hero of the game. All that and much more ahead. Don't go anywhere just guess. So, all right, Montage unsung hero of the week. It's something that we started last week. Who do you think this week was the unsung hero for the Buffalo Bills?
1: Well, it wasn't who I said, uh, cause Daquan Jones is who I predicted and he didn't really do a whole lot. So, um, you know, I think the unsung hero, uh, even though he's kind of always the hero is Josh Allen. Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, well, no, I guess it's gotta be James Cook, right? Cause he's more unsung than Josh is. So So James Cook is the young son hero. He kind of carried the offense through a lot of the different periods of time and uh, made the plays we needed to get us the victory. So I'm sure you would agree, but do you have someone different or are you going to go James? No,
0: I'm not going to go James. I'm actually going to go defensive side of the football. And I really, even though he was more of an impact than your typical unsung hero of the game, I think Greg Roussel, right? Because Greg Roussel yeah. was just, I mean, even the one where he has his hands out and he knocks the pass, you know, out of Mac, you know, Mac Jones throws the football, Greg Roussel stepped up in place of Vaughn Miller and basically added the same type of role that Vaughn Miller has done for this Bills team this year. And that's, even if you're not getting the sack, you command so much attention or you open up the lanes for your teammates so much more because of the way that you're playing the game. So Greg Russell, the way that he was able to line up on the left, the right, the middle, he was everywhere. He was making plays, play in and play out. And I thought that the way that he was able to open up the field and in, in the the passing the pass rushing lanes for guys like Boogie Basham and AJ Panessa was huge because Vaughn Miller, again, I say this week in and week out. It's not the sacks that is everything about Vaughn Miller. It is the command. It is the attention that he commands. It is the way that he opens up the game for his teammates. And it is leadership. And I thought that Greg Russell showed not only more of a veteran poise. I mean, it is only year two for the kid. But leadership. And he was just impactful every single time out there. And also, too, I wanted to point this out. You know, a little unsung play of the game was Jordan Phillips with that little you know, the little arm out trying to just, ah, I'm tired, knock him over. I love that, by the way. But, of course, that is going to be my unsung hero of the week. Uh, Let's see some of the comments. What do you guys, who do you think was the most underrated player for the Bills? Who made some of the plays that just we couldn't live without? And, Matt, he's got this one. Take it over, Montage.
1: Yeah, he says McKenzie's the guy and follows up with Dirty. has been disappointing to this point, and it was encouraging to see him make a few timely catches. I agree 100%. Um, you know, we've been asking for these guys to step up, um, they're, they're coming into their new roles kind of this year, taking a step forward. And we're really looking forward to, to really getting that, um, contribution and production out of those guys. So, um, I think Mackenzie has some extra juice when he plays the Patriots for whatever reason, he gets it going. And I love that. Now we just got to see that continue on when we're playing anybody else and make sure that he can win his matchups consistently. And that's, uh, what we're hoping to have. Um, you know, we're, we're hoping to have that, consistently and it hasn't been yet but nothing to say he couldn't grow throughout the season and and make some uh make some strides here to to hit the the home stretch um you know and and give us that production so
0: yeah i think isaiah mckenzie has been so much more consistent in the last couple of weeks, which is really, really, really good for us because he was a little bit of a shooting ourselves in the foot kind of guy at first, even though he would eventually come back and, you know, make up for it with a touchdown. But Isaiah McKenzie has definitely found his stride a little bit more as of late. And that's good for us because he is, he does have a skill set and, and def, definitely brings a different element to this offense and to the Buffalo Bills team. And let's not forget that this guy had one of the best training camps and preseasons that, you know, that we were talking about. Everybody was so high on Isaiah McKenzie, but also too, let's give Khalil Shakir some credit. The kid, when he comes in and gets targeted, he yeah. makes catches and he makes plays and he, and he picks up crucial yardage. I like what I see out of Khalil Shakir. So that is my unsung hero of the game. Um, and that is Montage's unsung hero of the game. And we got some of you guys' comments as well, but let's move on to our next segment, which Real quick, is going to be, just want to
1: say, go ahead. Thanks to, uh, cousin Eddie here for uh, his support saying that he loves the new segments that we're bringing in here. So, uh, you know, appreciate you, bro.
0: We appreciate that very much. And that is the bills mafia 12 gauge. Who's currently in Facebook jail, by the way, had to throw a little, you know, shade his way, but we're going to move on to our segment, which I think you guys are going to like this one quite a bit. And that is the weakest link of the week montage, whether it's on the bills side of the football field or the Patriots side of the football field. Who was the weakest link on the football field this week?
1: Goodbye. Um, that would be uh Roger Saffolm, probably, or uh really take any of the offensive linemen for the Bills. Uh just wasn't uh wasn't uh, particularly pretty without without Dawkins there and having Questenberry hurt. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Questenberry, I guess, off the offensive lineman. Um but I mean, they're just, they just—they did w- really well in the in the run game. So you have to give them some credit there. But um, but you know, we just need to uh, get stronger in that in that area. Um, it's something that we thought maybe was going to be a strength this year, and it's turned into um, us needing every single one of those guys and not being quite what we thought we were getting.
0: Yeah, for me, the weakest link of the week, man. I really thought about this one long and hard, and I wanted to say David Questenberry, but I couldn't. I couldn't because the guy was out there just just trying Getting his hard. Yeah. He was just trying his hardest just to be on the damn football field. Now, can you say that that's the weakest link, right? So, for me, the weakest link of the game has got to be the New England Patriots' offense. What the hell do you guys have outside of Ramondre Stevenson? I mean, legit, and this is almost me getting saucy, right? But legit, what do you have outside of Ramondre Stevenson? Jacoby Myers for two yards. They have nothing to the point where they bring on Marcus Jones, a defensive back, a return specialist for his first ever offensive snap. That's all they could do? Nah, the Patriots don't have any sort of offense. And I think that it is going to be examined quite a bit If Mac Jones is going to be their starter going forward, because now you hear about these rumors, by the way, we're going to get a little off topic for just a second, but everybody's talking about, there's a rumor that Brady might come back to the Patriots next year. And I'm personally thinking to myself, why the hell would he do that to come to Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers and and Matt Patricia, a former defensive coordinator as your offensive coordinator. What the hell is that? By the way, you got Matt Patricia, former D.C. of the Patriots and fired head coach of the Detroit Lions where he couldn't get shit going, he's now your offensive coordinator? What is Belichick doing over yeah. there? What are you, recycling the guy? You got Joe Judge back, by the way. You could probably make him O.C., and he probably have a, t- a little bit more success. But that, to me, the Patriots' offense is the weakest link every single week that they play football. And I understand people said Mac Jones had one of his best weeks last week against the Vikings on Thanksgiving. It doesn't matter. The Vikings don't have the caliber of defense that we do. I'm sorry, I know that we lost them, but again, we lost them because we made bad plays defensively, not offensively. Offensively, we put up points to win that football game. It is the Patriots to me. Their offense is the weakest link, and I like that going forward because you know we have to see them once more, right? And we'll see them in Buffalo. So I like the way that we were able to head into Foxborough, and ultimately game plan against the weakest link and that was the Patriots offense. I we knew that if we could slow them down the run game, that it was going to be really tough for Mac Jones to get it going. If we were able to continuously pass rush Mac Jones and make him feel uncomfortable, they would have nothing going for them. And that to me is why they were the weakest link of the of, of the week. But montage, let's take a look at some of the other comments real quick before we move on to our underdog fantasy play of the Oh yeah, he knows it. He knows it. Okay, now that's that. Now let me let me comment on this one real quick. Didn't really see much of of off off of Knox, which I'm sure that that was a spelling error. But that is because Dawson Knox was asked to block a lot more, and we only really targeted him what once was it? We targeted him once, I think, and we targeted Khalil Shakir once. And I know some people are saying he's top ten in tight end money, but like. We asked the guy to continuously block because of our lack of guys on the offensive line and our injuries and what the Patriots pass rush is capable of. I honestly think that Dawson Knox blocking so much helped take Matt Judon out of the game. Cause I saw Matt Judon, if you're looking down the field, he lined up on the right side quite a bit. So mm-hmm. I think that Dawson Knox, but then again, here's one point that Joe might be right about because he did have the one drop and that's something that we saw a lot of Dawson Knox in recent years, but haven't seen too much of this year, and it's almost like I think you actually called Peter out for it. But Peter jinxed him with you know the not having drops or anything like that. But that was only one one target, and so if, to me, if you're only dropping one target. You can't be that much of a weak link, especially if you're making an impact. It's not like Dawson Knox is the biggest tight end in the world, by the way. But the way that he was able to at least make an impact in the blocking game, he was able to stand strong and and stand tall. And that's why even Questenberry can't be the weakest link of the week for me. But Montage, any other comments before we move on?
1: Yeah, I thought this one was really good. I can't let it go. I'm sorry. I wanted to, but I'm not going to. Uh, There's a ton of spelling here, but I'll – Uh, Get it for you. Karma coming back to craft for his crime. So, yeah, I mean, the old man, he's married to some like 25 year old woman. All right. He's going down to Florida getting handos in a freaking massage shop. Like what is going on with this guy? Uh, Good for him. I can't say I'm not jealous, but geez, I mean, what in the world? Uh, You know, I just I really, really hope that he's not into like, you know, human trafficking type stuff. With uh, all that, and that's just like insane to me to think but this guy is just not not a good person and i i agree 100 percent the karma coming out uh and and slapping him right in the face and i love it yeah when it comes
0: to the game of cheese i'm a sargento guy not a craft guy so fuck that <laughs> shit right but i like that too because i wanted to actually ask you a question do you think that he made the website rub and com?
1: All right, anyways, worry, I, bye, I had to talk plenty of uh ish to my wife. Um and and she kind of uh Oh, that's she knew, right. The wife she is knew a Patriots fan. Yeah, she knew they were the weakest link overall. And uh, you know, we're not gonna go there, but 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 uh yeah, you know, it's kind of uh setting the stage. We'll uh we'll be out in Buffalo and uh, you know, hopefully nobody harasses her too bad out in out in Buffalo here when we when we go to the stadium.
0: Amen to that. Well, of course, if you guys have not done so already, hit that like and share. You are live here on the sit-down on the Built in Buffalo Networks Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Joined here with myself, Sauce Scott at Buffalo, Sauce Scott on Twitter. And, of course, my co-host, Mafia Montage at Mafia Montage. And let me tell you guys, you want to watch this one because this was definitely the underdog fantasy Play of the game. And, of course, the Underdog Fantasy Play of the Game is presented by Underdog Fantasy. And if you want a deposit match up to $100 right now so you can get in the action for NFL Sunday or college football Saturday, go sign up with promo code BIB right now for a deposit match up to $100 and do it now. Let's go ahead and show you guys what was this week's Underdog Fantasy Play of the Week. Got him. It's just so beautiful to watch. Look at look at again. Look at again. Oh, look again. At that. And Derek Cheater. Excellent, of course. So hey, I think that everybody in the world knows that that was the play of the game because you got not only is he rolling out to the right and he just throws a guy off him like, get off me, right? But then he as he's going out of bounds comes back across his body, and Derek Jeter's, again, he looked like Derek Jeter when he would just, you know, pick up that ground ball and just lunge it at first base, right? But boom, across his body, and Gabe Davis almost looked like he was shocked, right? Like, oh, shit, caught it, right? So to me, that was the play of the game. Montage, what did you uh, think of that play when you saw it? What did it have going through your head?
1: Undoubtedly, uh one of his best plays of the season. Um What makes Josh fantastic, um you know, just – incredible awareness. And then, you know, you look at some of the clips that we see in certain instances where, you know, the defense is like blanketing Davis, but Allen still (laughs) finds a way to throw it somewhere where they can't get it. And uh, Davis can react to it quick enough to make the catch. So just fantastic awareness by Josh. And um, obviously we know that's what he does. That's why he's the best. And, uh, you know, just, uh, it was, it got me pumped. And after that, I just felt like we were um, you know, smooth sailing. So I, I just – I think it was uh, a huge, um, you know, boost to the to the guys. And I think everyone really rallied and and uh, came home with the win and, and closed it out after that one. For
0: me, I knew that there was going to be a play that looked similar to that. And I'm, I really mean that, right, because I thought back to the playoff game last year, he's going out of bounds. You know, same situation, you know, shoving guys off him and he, you know, tosses it to Dawson Knox – I knew that he was going to make that kind of play. It's Thursday night football against the team that everybody thinks is going to upset the Bills, like they had a fucking chance in hell, right? But I just overall the way that he can just throw guys, and and that's why the the title of this show is "There Was Only One Josh Allen," and I say that because Pat Mahomes, I'll say it right now, and this is me being an unbiased fan and a respect and respect for the game of football. Pat Mahomes can make some throws that I don't know if anybody else can. Maybe Josh, maybe Justin Herbert. But Josh Allen makes plays that there is legitimately nobody else that can make that play. I've never seen Pat Mahomes throw somebody off him and then throw that kind of pass. He might get away elusive enough, right, but he's not powerful and strong enough and just big enough of a dude to make that kind of play. So it, again, shows the world exactly how good Josh Allen can be and how there is never a play that is over until Josh Allen is actually out of bounds or until the pass is incomplete. So for me, I like that he could keep his eyes downfield. He was able to just hit the chemistry that he has with his receivers, even if they're dropping passes. They know how to play because they know it's never over. They know to just come back and work to the ball to stay in position because somehow, some way, quarterback number one, JA-17 is going to find you. So that play overall. Was incredible, and I think that that play from there set the tone for the rest of the game. But let's take a look at some of the comments real quick as to far as what the underdog fantasy play of the game is.
1: Yeah, I was kind of scrolling them up there, and uh, you know, Joe says no excuse why that shouldn't be number one on the sports center top ten. Paul coming in, thanks for watching, Paul. Air Allen, oh yeah, just incredible, incredible athletics, and then uh, Scotty Griswold. Once again, does it again against the Pats and uh, same play to Knox. And yep, um, uh, yep. killing him. So it's just uh, six and seven the past three years, right?
0: I don't, I don't know, know what that means. He's talking about, yeah, I don't know, six, six and
1: seven. I don't know what six that doesn't, stats I are. Mean, so six out of seven against the Patriots, is that right? Yeah, that's right.
0: Two, two, uh, one, no, so three. Yeah, technically, I think so. We'll give him that one. Sounds great.
1: All right. Well, let's move
0: on anyways, because, of course, that is the underdog fantasy play of the game, which will be a regular segment here in the sit-down every Saturday night at 7 p.m. And if you guys are just now tuning in, don't forget to hit that like, share. If you're watching on Twitter, hit that retweet. If you haven't done so already, too, subscribe to that YouTube page. Get involved with us. Come on over to the YouTube page if you're watching on Twitter right now so you can join in the comments and get in on the fun because we still got more ahead. Now, being one and two in the AFC's montage, what do you like how do you like our chances to take the division with only three divisional games remaining and technically what five games total on the season remaining?
1: I think there's a whopping 100% chance that the Bills will win the division. I think it's going to happen because guess what? It doesn't go off division wins, it goes off total record. And starting this week, the Jets and the Dolphins will start to fall down in the standings. They're gonna lose some games here down this stretch and the Bills aren't. Um, it kind of goes the other way. You know, our schedule kind of loosens up. We've got to beat those teams, Miami and New York. But I think we do that. So I think this is really uh giving us a chance to uh go four and two overall in the division. And uh we're playing most of these games at home. So uh, you know, I th- are they all all three of them at home? Yeah. they're Uh, All three three at home. Yeah. All three are at home. home. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, we, we, we went out on the, in the division games, potentially in all of our games, but I'm going to say definitely in the division games. And, um, and I think we ultimately, uh, are in competition for the number one seed, which, uh, I'm hopeful based upon my, uh, status as a season ticket holder, which would then get playoff preference and be able to get those games. And, uh, I just want to be there for a, for a playoff game. Again, that atmosphere is just the best. And I only experienced it with uh, about 6,000 people. When I went for that Baltimore Ravens game last year, I was out of town was hoping to be able to make the, um, the AFC championship game. If it was going to come back to Buffalo and uh, we all know what happened. So, so this year I want to get there full stadium and uh, just want to get that incredible feeling. So I think that uh, they win the division and then they even go on and, and even get the number one seed.
0: I think with three divisional games left, and you pointed out a great stat too, that the rest of them are going to be in Orchard Park, which by the way, the Miami game looks like it might have a potential blizzard type conditions, which would have like karma after all the heat bullshit that existed in the uh, first game of the season. But also the reason I like our chances is because this week, The Miami Dolphins have to play a really tough San Francisco 49ers team. And if you ask me, the San Francisco 49ers might have the best shot in the NFC to reach the Super Bowl. And then, of course, I think the Jets play the Vikings this week, right? They do. So, I mean, you look at those right there. Those are two tough games for both the Jets and the Dolphins. The Bills are already getting a win this week. It only puts pressure on those guys to win at this point. Now, we technically do control our own destiny. I mean, if we win out, the division's ours. There's no question about it, right? Mm -hmm. But if Miami were to lose a couple of games and we were only to lose maybe one more for the rest of the season, we would take the division. So I like our chances. I like that. You said a hundred percent that we're going to take the division because I fully believe that we will too. And I felt that way last year when we were down technically to the Patriots after losing the first matchup against them in the regular season, I said to people chill with that wild card talk, miss me with that bullshit. Right? Because We control our destiny, and we're still the kings of the AFC East. And Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills went out there and proved it on on Thursday night. And for me, we control our own destiny. I like that. I like that we don't need things to happen our way. It is up to us. And right now, I want to remind everybody in Bills Mafia right now, don't ever look at midseason slumps or anything like that for the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. I want to remind some people in the Mafia that Josh Allen's grandmother passed away, I believe it was, November. So it kind of almost to me, as somebody who, you know, lost my grandmother at a certain time of year, it does put a certain toll on your mind, right? Mentally. And sometimes you hit a midseason slump. But what a better time to hit a slump than the end of the season or heading into the playoffs, which is when he starts to get it going. We saw that last night. We saw that more against the Lions. Josh Allen is going to find his groove and continue to carry this team down the field. And we're going to we're going to continue to make the game easier for him as well by allowing our running backs like James Cook and Devin Singletary to make the game much more easier for him. So I like our chances 100% of the way. Montage, we got any comments before we move on to our rumor mill?
1: Yeah, I just want to make one more is that, you know, the Chiefs also have the Bengals and the Bengals are red hot right now. Jamar Chase coming back for this game. I think they win it. So I think you have the Chiefs, Dolphins and Jets all in one week losing, coupled with the Bills win this week, puts us right back in the top spot uh, in the in the conference. And um, I don't think we're going to relinquish it uh, this year.
0: Amen to that. And, of course, we're going to move on to our next segment. But if you haven't done so already, hit that like and share. We still got much more ahead of us, including Montage's Maniac of the Week and me getting saucy, which when it comes to the Patriots and Mac Jones, you don't want to miss it. But before we get to that, up there, we all know Beckham Jr., was supposed to be in town. He did visit. It has been confirmed, and he still has to go and visit the Dallas Cowboys. He has visited the New Jersey Giants, and he has visited the Buffalo Bills, the only team in New York State, and now he will visit the Cowboys. Now, are there any updates on that? I can tell you right now, Montage, the only update that I have is that the Bills sent, you know, one of their better chefs, a chef that's very popular with all the players, and they created a four-course meal of some fine dining for Odell Beckham Jr. to cater to his tastes and just basically give him a feel that, you know, Buffalo might not be L.A. It might not be Dallas. It might not be, you know, the New York City, even though they don't play there. Sure. But it is still a great place and it's still, a you know, a culture and a team that is has Super Bowl ambitions. So, for me, that's the only updates. Okay, but here's the other question to ask now. Will he sign with us, Montage, and do you want him to sign with us?
1: I 100% want him to. Um... I'm starting to doubt that he will, but I just have to still put faith in Von Miller and what he says because, um, you know, he's a he's a big um, influence, Von is. And I think if he, you know, says that he, he thinks it's going to happen, then I'm going to think it's going to happen until it doesn't happen. And uh, that's really where I, I have no idea. I, there's no way for me to know one way or the other. But opinion wise, I'm just going to say, you know, I'm going with Von Miller and saying that he's going to. And the other thing I want to say on it is, like, did he eat both the butter, the gooey butter cake, and the red velvet cake, or did he just pick one of those two from that four course meal, four course meal that he got from that chef? Because boy, that had me salivating. Um, I'm on a sweet kick here during the holidays, obviously. But uh, uh, yeah, Joe. I mean, I, you know, his attitude, his attitude, his attitude's is fine. These guys are all professionals here in our locker room. They're all dogs. They're all ready to go and, and win a Super Bowl and adding another Super Bowl caliber piece to our locker room um with von Miller's um influence and von Miller's um you know kind of signing off on that, you know, his blessing, I think that it, it creates a, a really good culture and and it's uh you know I think it's gonna be a good fit if and when it does happen. So I I think that we may not need them. You may be a hundred percent correct, but, um, I think it's like, well, if you have all these sports cars and then you have one other, uh, you know, somebody offering you a monster truck, you're still going to take the monster truck. You want as many fun vehicles to drive as you can. Right. So, I mean, um, whether we quote unquote need them or not, I don't know. But I don't care. I want him if he's available, I, and we think can get I him. Want I want him. too. Yeah, I,
0: and I mean, it's just because we we do know, like, like okay, the Rams might not have needed him, but what he made, like the way that he made the offense that much easier for Matt Stafford and a guy like Cooper Cup to find his production. Do yeah. imagine what that'll do for Stephon Diggs? I mean, right now I love Gabe Davis, and I'm not saying that I don't have faith in Gabe Davis, but. Right now, Gabe Davis isn't commanding enough attention to take it away from Stephon Diggs. Now, Stephon Diggs is having an all-world season. We know, sure, but imagine what he could do when you have Odell Beckham Jr. commanding the same caliber of attention as he is, right? Because Odell Beckham Jr., when healthy, I don't care about his attitude, is really probably a one receiver. And we've seen it. His hands are incredible Attitude-wise, I don't know if that plays much of a factor because he was in L.A. last year and seemed to do just fine. And L.A. is definitely much more of a limelight than Buffalo, New York is. I love Buffalo, but that's the truth. But I think Bill's Mafia says that, you know, we signed John Brown, we're not going to go after him. That's incredibly false. I mean, if if, if that was the truth, we wouldn't have had him here in Buffalo. We wouldn't have catered to his taste with a four-course meal with you know desserts like Montage talked about that's got me hungry now. But overall, I think there's still a chance he does sign with us. And, I mean, I don't know if I think that he's going to go to Dallas. I could see him going back to the Giants more than anything just because of his – you know, he obviously has the appreciation he started his career there. But I, at this point, I'm putting him at about a 45% to sign with us. And, I mean, that's really less than 50-50. So, I put it that he's not going to. And do we need him? I'm not sure but it would definitely be a weapon that wouldn't hurt this offense in any sort of capacity. So go ahead, Montage, take this comment real quick. If you want.
1: Yeah, I will say too, um, on Jill's point, I read something and I, I apologize. I didn't get to read the whole thing to understand it, but there is talk that he might not be able to play too much this year. And I say, okay, that's fine. If we were able to sign him for a two or three year deal, which, you know, solves the money issue because you can kick the can down the road and then, uh, salary caps just gonna go up. Um, but also, if we don't need him, then what's the problem if we sign them and we don't need to use them. We got other weapons, and then we give them a couple week more weeks, they integrate into the offense. And then in the postseason, we got OBj and then we also get Jamison Crowder back potentially. if Marcus Stevenson gets healthy, and I'm not sure if we even use him, but now we're back to having eight guys that can play based upon a matchup. That's what I want. I want options. I want to be able to say, "Okay, you tweaked your ankle on Thursday and you're not 100%. Look, we're going to we're going to rest you a little bit and we can go to this other guy because we got all these options." Same with the defensive line. We don't need all those good defensive linemen and they're not, you know, all of them great, but you know, we have them and we're able to rotate them and that's what makes our scheme better. That's what makes our team work is getting these guys, keeping them fresh. So, so kind of, I think Dave Meyer said it the best in a chat here. says, give me all the toys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just give it, you know, have these options because the team's going to need it. Um, And we wish we had uh, better options along groups like the offensive line, right? You know, do we need another offensive lineman? Sure we do. Did we think we needed one going into the season? No. I think everyone thought, Oh, great, great depth on the offensive line. We'll be fine. Well, we're not fine. Uh, Roger mm-hmm. Saffold been nothing for us, and now we, you know, we signed him and spent money on on that for nothing. We could have. Uh, and now we're all hoping and praying that Ike Bucker can play again, and then he plays at a high level. So it's kind of just shows you with, you know, the the perception of need will change throughout the year, and especially now being down so many guys, dressing six receivers or five receivers, and Goddamn Alan Gentry was on the field the other day for the Bills uh, in the middle of the, this 12-day uh, um, three-game stretch. And it's like, you know, OBJ is 100% better than than Gentry, right? So, I mean, like, we, we, uh, we do need NFL-caliber bodies uh, in all position groups, and I'm going to take as much depth as, as I can get. This is a guy that's available, being highly recruited, and he's highly talented. So, sure. You don't know, give them to me.
0: Yeah, and I like that montage. That's a great way to sum it up. Odell Beckham Jr. is still at this moment so expected to uh, visit with the Dallas Cowboys. And as soon as we have more updates with that, we will provide them to you guys. Make sure that you're following the Twitter page at Buffalo underscore. Not the scam uh person that made it with the 1B or whatever that thought by following me. And that was a good idea. Like I'm not like I'm not, you know. Uh, smart enough to realize that it was a scammer but of course guys be wary of that we do have that giveaway going on but there are scammers that are trying to take full advantage of uh, of course of us giving an opportunity for people to hit a giveaway so with that being said montage we've got to move on to your next segment here and just a brief moment there's a maniac we'll at for you. there we
1: go bills. go bills
0: Yeah! All right, Montage, let's move on to your next segment. And, of course, we've got that and getting saucy before we let you guys uh, guys get out of here. But let's move on. Let's get this little video played for you, and let's get to the Mafia Montage Maniac of the Week.
1: So this week's Mafia Montage Maniac of the Week was Teron Johnson, and uh gotta take my lumps when i have to guys this uh he was not a maniac um this week per se so um you know unfortunately he missed a couple tackles and uh you know didn't have his best performance but uh four catches out of six targets 25 yards so not a terrible day overall but uh did like did have a couple of those missed tackles and wasn't kind of the force or the presence that i thought he could have been uh going into the game so um you know, still still a decent thing, but uh, not what we're looking for out of the Mafia Montage Maniac of the week. And uh, we'll get back to you next week with the uh, the Mafia Montage Maniac against the Jets. I'm not going to do it for the next game now because we do have one more show uh, before the next game with this 10 uh, day uh, layover here
0: course a 10-day layover that we very much need but i love it that is the montage maniac of the week and it's time to move on to our next segment and that is of course the sauce guide getting so <laughs> You something okay, Josh Allen just rolls in there and says, Oh, I gotta deal with you. Let's so, you know, hey, you want to go and shave your face a little bit? All right, but well, let me tell you something, Mac Jones, quit scrambling to the right, quit scrambling to the left. Quit looking downfield because you don't got it, buddy. And I had an argument with that Patriots fan on Twitter, if you guys saw, who said, oh, he doesn't have a noodle for an arm. It certainly looked like it because he goes to the right. He goes to the left. He throws it downfield, and it's a dropped interception. Mac Jones, you you just don't got it, buddy. You just don't got it. Why don't you do us all a favor? Come back to Buffalo. Try again. Play the same game because it clearly didn't work for you, but it worked for us. Screw you, Mac Jones. F the Patriots. Go Bills all day long. Bills by a billion, baby. That's me getting saucy this week. I love it. Love it. All right, so guys. Of course, this is the sit-down on the Built-in Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to that YouTube page, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. If you haven't done so already, like and share the stream right now and make sure to join us here next Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as always, here in the sit-down on the Built-in Buffalo Network presented by Underdog Fantasy as we get you guys ready for that game against the New Jersey Jets. Another divisional game, a crucial game. Montage and I will have... Plenty to get you guys hyped for and plenty of information to get you guys ready for that Buffalo Bills game. So from me, go Bills. Montage, what do you got to say for us? Go Bills. All right, guys. See you next week. Enjoy your weekend. God bless. Go Bills. And get in with that underdog fantasy right now. Promo code B-I-B for that deposit match up to $100. As always, God bless, guys. Go Bills. Be respectful. Check out
1: the built-in Buffalo merch.
0: Amen to that montage. You got that shirt on right there, baby. All right, guys. We'll see you next Saturday night. Enjoy your weekend. And as always, go Bills.